Welcome to the Obscure Pastor Podcast. I'm Drew Carpenter, your host on the podcast for all kinds of ministers and other followers of Jesus who work in relative obscurity. This is part two of my conversation with Hank Johnson. Enjoy. With me today on the podcast is Hank Johnson. Hank is a lead pastor at Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church in Pennsylvania. Hank's ministry experience has been gleaned through serving at camps, community and youth centers, and in the social work field. Hank is married to Shell, and they have two daughters, Harper and Kennedy. Also of note, Hank was born in Liberia, and due to civil war, his family lived as immigrants and refugees in Sierra Leone and Ivory Coast before they settled in New Jersey and then Philadelphia. Um, He's a graduate of Messiah College and holds a Master's of Divinity from Evangelical Theological Seminary. Hank, welcome to the Obscure Pastor Podcast. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Drew. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. There's difficult things happening just within the church or within your family. Where do you continue to get inspiration? What kind of, what well do you draw from that? So you yeah, can, so you I mean, can continue I, to do the good stuff that you're doing. Yeah, well, so I think part of it has been so for me the last couple months, you know, navigating COVID, right? Like mm-hmm. Corona, there's no real seminary class, you know, to say how to pastor during a pandemic. You know, one of the the places I've gotten a lot of encouragement from is actually the Old Testament prophets. Um, and just realizing that, like, oh, my gosh, they were facing something a lot worse. <laughs> you know, like, like literally the Babylonians and the Syrians were coming to kill everyone. Right. Mm. Um, they were facing the loss of land, loss of language, loss of culture, loss of people, um, a broken relationship with God, where God was. They had broke the covenant so many times that, like, they were now going to see the curses of breaking the covenant. So I've really, really not enjoyed, but gotten perspective from their stories. Right. The second one, I would say, is just God's people. You know, I think that seeing God work has always been a blessing to my heart. And seeing God move and hearing stuff that God is doing, it doesn't just excite me, but it it really grows me, you know, and it really um, blesses my spirit. Um, The third one is, and I think it's kind of related to not just seeing God's work, but for walking and journeying with people. You know, there's just little nuggets that come. You know, I remember one couple of weeks, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily excited about all the Zoom meetings I was doing, you know, I'm just like, it wasn't, you know, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't even because like, I, I, I just wanted to be with people, right? Um, one of the things I, I, I was joking about is I think becoming a pastor has made me an introvert, you know? Um, I never really bought the whole thing that I was an extrovert because people don't necessarily give me energy. I just think I grew up in a language and in a culture and a family where if you weren't extroverted and outgoing, they would think you were depressed, you know, so it's like, like, I think it was more nurtured in nature. Right. But yeah. So, but, but what I realized is that I was just like, oh, this is just too much. Right. And I had an older, uh, a friend and kind of a mentor who said to me, it's like, and he wasn't, I, I wasn't even sharing that I was not excited about zoom meetings, but he was just remarking like, oh my gosh, imagine if this happened 20 years ago, we wouldn't have the technology to even do the stuff we're doing now. Like, isn't it incredible? We have this technology that we can do stuff like zoom. And honestly, that shifted my entire mindset. You know, I was like, oh, he's right. <laughs> you know, like if this happened 10 years ago and people didn't have as much access to video camera or, or, or smartphones and video software, like think about how much harder our life would be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started seeing things with new eyes, you know, like we have people who are shut in, who are now able to join us for our, our, our weekly get togethers. We have people who are missionaries who are all over the world who, unless they're home physically with us, don't worship with us, but now they get the chance to do it, you know? Um, so yeah, so I think for me, that's been one of the, the places I get energy too. So Old Testament prophets, you know, and their stories, um, seeing God work and move through people, God using people to speak into my life. Um, yeah, I would say that's some of the places um, I really, really get energy. Um, and then some of the other ones is just like God's personal work on me. You know, I, I've really, really been learning in this season um, my need to be present, you know, my need to put the cell phone down, the computer down, um, and just be present with my kids, present with my wife, you know, be present where I'm present and learning how that's a spiritual discipline, you know, um, and learning how that is healthy for me as well, not just my family, but for me. So, yeah, so a bunch of these things, I feel like being open to, to the spirit working and moving, not just in the big things, but also in me personally as well, has been a, a source of, of hope and a source of growth. Awesome. Well, since you mentioned the Old Testament prophets, do you have like, yeah. who's your top two or three? Oh, wow. Top two or three. All right. So I, I'll go with one. This is the Obscure podcast. Uh, I'll go with one who tends to be a little bit obscure, but I don't think she should be. Um, and that's my homegirl, Holda. Um, okay. Holda is this prophet who I think is a contemporary. So I was laughed. Um, I remember reading this in a seminary uh, 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 textbook, a uh, reference book, and I'm like, oh, that's true, you know? So we consider prophets major only because if we have a lot of their, their body of work, and they wrote something <laughs> short, we consider them a minor, right? Right. Needless of the impact, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in that sense, Holda is a very, very minor prophet, you know? Um, but what's fascinating about her story is it's the time of King Josiah. There's reforms, you know, they find the old scrolls. And even though they have this professional cast of, of priests, no one can really interpret the scrolls, right? Um, I think it's also, I think she's also contemporaries with Jeremiah, if I'm getting that right, but it's one of our quote unquote major prophets, right? So it's not just that like, you know, no one could read it. So we got to go find this lady, you know, but it's like, she had a contemporary of, um, some other major quote unquote major prophets at the time. And yet Josiah sends out his, um, cast of priests to go track down this lady Another thing I love about her is that I think God created Holda specifically for this time and place um, because it's not a stretch to consider her husband a fashion designer. So I think it's hilarious that um, the, 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 the wife here, Holda, is the prophet and the husband designs clothes or is a tailor, you know, <laughs> um, he's the keeper of the wardrobe, if you will, depending on your translation. And, and, and Holda goes and Josiah's priest, you know, um, Hilkiah, I think is his name, goes and presents the, the scrolls and she she interprets them. And she basically says that like, hey, um, this isn't good news. Disaster's coming, you know, like everything we've done wrong, we're going to kind of reap what we sow, you know, mm-hmm. but but God's going to be faithful to you, Josiah, because you're trying to follow him. And and Holda is someone that, that means a lot um, to the Jewish faith. I think when they rebuilt the temple, one of the gates was the Holda gates. And there's people who believe that when Jesus went into the temple, he walked through the Holda gates, you know? So obviously this is someone who just has a couple of verses, but it's pretty major, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, again, if she's a contemporary of a, a couple of major prophets and no one really knows how to interpret but her, um, she's definitely one of my favorites. Um, that, 
that again is part of the the proof that women have always been doing ministry for God. Women have always been in leadership. Um, so I love Holda. Um, and then some other ones too is Micah. Micah, you know, I grew up in a church, so at some point, either to go to camp or something, you learn Micah six eight. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I've really grown in that verse. You know, and, and it's it's this idea of of God saying, you know, I'm putting my people on trial. You know, I'm going to call the, the the entire, you know, universe, you know, the trees, the mountains. We've been here for a long time. Basically, see how they've wronged me. See how they've fallen short. See how they keep breaking my covenant. Um, and then also look at my resume. Look at what I've done for them, you know. And then he gets that, you know, famous verse, you know, he has shown you a mortal what is good, but to do justice like God does justice, you know, to love like God loves and, and to walk in shalom with God and your neighbor. Right. And, and that that just that verse, it becomes just so much more real to me. Right. Like, it's not just about what is justice. It's doing justice as God does it. You know, it's not just about mercy in the sense of God allows stuff, but it's that the Hebrew word is hesed, which is closer to our understanding of the Greek word agape. Right. It's this idea of God always working for our good. Right. Right. Um, and then Shalom, like, what does it mean to have peace with God, creation and my neighbor? Like, that's what Micah is calling us to. Um, and then probably the third one is by Amos. I mean, I feel like you can't be doing racial justice work if you don't know Amos, man. Dr. King maybe is the one who kind of like revolutionized Amos 524, right? Let justice roll down, you know? So it's like, yeah, Amos is this, again, minor prophet, small town. Uh, we don't even think he was a, a prophet for that long, right? But he, again, is, is part of this tradition of calling Israel back to God, of saying, stop following, you know, these charlatans. Stop following these leaders who are leading you astray, who don't really love God or love people, who are taking advantage of people. But do remember, God's justice is coming, you know. So, yes, yeah, so I would say that's probably two of my, my, my top three. Holda, my homegirl, you know, um, Micah and then Amos. I mean, I'm also growing in some of the other ones too, like Jeremiah, Isaiah, seeing them with new eyes. But if I had three to pick, those would probably be my three. All right. I'll allow it. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Okay. So for, for Hoda, like yeah. for, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Where yeah, yeah, exact? Yeah. Where can we find Hoda in the Old Testament? I know it's in Kings and Chronicles oh. only because everything's in Kings and Chronicles, right? Right. Um, Holda, I think is around 21, 22. Um, and then I think the, the Chronicles one is like 34. Okay. I think. All right. People but can, it's look, in that range, people you know? can look it it's up. In, yes. It's in that range, you know, so y'all, y'all find it. I mean, it's H U L D A H, you know, right. um, if you study Josiah, she's in there too, but yeah, I think it's second Kings 22. And I think Chronicle version is the second, second Chronicles 34. Gotcha. Okay. Well, cool. You mentioned John Mayer earlier. Yeah. Who is your favorite musical artist? So this is the thing, right? I really struggle with favorites. I have lots of favorites. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, um, yeah. So I would say musical artist. Oh, man. Uh, Let's see. So I would say probably one of the most influential artists in my life. I would say it's probably, um, theologically, it's probably Rich Mullins. You know, um, I remember when Rich Mullins passed away, I was still young and there was that Jesus record that came out. And then there was actually a video, an accompanying video where a bunch of his friends in the industry and family got together 
And I think it's called, I don't say homeless man, but I don't think that's right. But anyway, it's just, it, you can actually still get it on YouTube, right? And there's a bunch of interviews. And what's funny is I had this video, obviously watched it as a kid, and then found it on YouTube like 20, 25 years later. And I was shocked by how much of my theology and the way I understood and looked at God was formulated by Rich Mullins, you know? It was just, it was really, it was shocking to me. Like, I was just like, oh. You know, so I use the language, for example, of live and love like Jesus lived and loved. And he was probably one of the first persons I heard articulated that way. And that's been in my vocabulary for as long as I can remember, right? I, again, there's nothing new under the sun, but to see like, oh, maybe that's where I, I, I learned this from, right? Hmm. Um, and I was always intrigued um, by how he, he made scripture come to life, you know, by how like, I mean, I grew up in a time where CCM music was like, are they singing about God or are they singing about their girlfriend? Like, I'm not quite sure. Like, I'm not quite <laughs> sure what's going on here, you know? Feels a little weird, right? Um, however, like Rich, I could just always find the scripture and he made it come to life. Um, I also am a really big fan of, of Ben Harper. Oh, yeah. Um, ben Harper is probably, I would say, for my early, well, late teens to early 20s, was foundational um, philosophically, man. I mean, I remember in college and I, I would hear a song like Forever and I'd be like, yep, that's how I feel about relationships. You know, I'm done. I'm done. Even at like 20, I'm like, I'm done. You know, I just I want to find my, I want to find my forever. You know, I'm tired of chasing people around, you know? Um, but it was amazing, like how much like his songs just like became how I looked at life. Right. Mm. Um, so definitely, definitely influential. Um, a third one would probably be, I would say most recently, uh, would probably be Kendrick Lamar. Um, Kendrick is someone who I feel is not just super talented, but I think there's, there's, I think every generation has these voices. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, when, when the Black Lives Matter movement was going, um, one of the soundtrack, I mean, it was fascinating. You go to these rallies and you have young people um, up and down singing the chorus of his song, All Right, right? And again, you know, you gotta, you gotta wade through the language for some people because it's like, it's startling, you know? But there's something profound there. I mean, these are people who are protesting, you know, black and brown people, especially getting killed by police. And they were joining together and saying, you know, um, yeah, like God's got us and we gonna be all right. You know, and I, that, that to me was just like phenomenal. And what's funny is people might turn to joke about it because I still use that. Like I use that as literally like a reminder that like, we're going to be okay, no matter what we're dealing with, right? Um, yeah, and, and again, it's a song that is literally talking about we feel like police want to kill us. Like, it's not like a light song, right? Um, but that chorus of like, yeah, like we hate police. We think they want to kill us for sure. You know, I'm at my preacher's door. My knee's getting weak and my gun might blow, but we going to be all right? Like, that idea of how it galvanized young people, how it galvanized people who look like me, how it galvanized people who are fighting for racial justice, you know? And not to mention, I think he's the first rapper to win a Pulitzer Prize, which is kind of yep. fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I'm not sure how that happened or how the voting happened, but all right, I'll take it. Um, well, yeah, and, so I would and he's say, got a, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, and he's got a platform which informs white kids mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. white people too. Yeah. And yep. Yeah, that's yeah. So they think about that, and they it's, it, it impacts how they think about cops and how they yeah. think about um, 
yeah, all of this stuff. And so, yeah, yeah. No, and, so, yeah, and it's great. Yeah. And he's just a, a poet. <laughs> yeah, it's man. Really, it's well, and I think the, 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 probably the last classic one for me is um, probably Bob Marley. Right. Like I think that like, so one of the fascinating things about Bob Marley is my introduction to him comes in Africa, you know, so that lens sees the more pan-African Bob and sees the one who's saying Africa unite and sees the one who's saying fight for your freedom, you know? So it's like, so it's very, very interesting when I come to America and the most thing that people say about Mars, like, well, he likes to get high. And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, so, cause back home, it was like, this is one of our great freedom fighters, right? Mm-hmm. Like this was like someone who gave us a soundtrack as most of our countries in the 20th century in Africa are starting to fight for, for freedom, for independence. Right. Um, he, he did a lot of the soundtrack for that, you know? Um, and, 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 and in my family, we always joke that like, I don't know if like, if it's God or our parents who tell us that like it or, or Bob, right. Who tells that if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know where you came from, you can't know where you're going. Right. And, and that's, that's seeped into my philosophy and ways of thinking too. So, yeah. So I would say those are some of the people I would consider, some of my favorites. Now there, there's some that come and go, you know, like for a couple of years ago, I was really, even now I really, really do appreciate Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. I still think he has the, the greatest Anabaptist line that he doesn't even know is Anabaptist, right? Don't believe in kings, believe in the kingdom. Like mm-hmm. I think I've preached that sermon many a times, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's Anabaptism in a nutshell to me, right? Like right. that's, that's who is your king? Is it Jesus? That's separation of church and state. That's am I aligning with Jesus and choosing to follow Jesus or not? But again, he just wrote that as part of his song. I don't know if he, he has exposure to Anabaptism, but I was able to hear that and be like, yep, that's, that's what I needed. Thank you, Chance. Sorry, I had muted myself because oh, no I was you're coughing. Coughing, yes. <laughs> yeah, no was, yeah. No, you're I, good. I have horrible allergies. Um, yeah, I do too, man. Central Pennsylvania does not help. Yeah, um, <laughs> we uh, kind of we, there's so much to draw from all of these different places, you know, mm-hmm. and all these different people. You know, you mentioned Ben Harper, and yeah, you know, there for a while I was just I had him. That was my whole playlist. Was just I was listening. Him back, back to back to back to back to back. All of his stuff, yeah, oh, live wow. live versions, whatever. That was yeah a few years ago, but I, okay, I kind of forget about him. But yeah, I just some of these prophetic voices, you know, that mm-hmm. they they speak to you on a level that's like yeah, where you're just they yeah. kind of resonate with right where you're at. I guess I think that's what's fascinating about music, right? Is mm-hmm. that like I remember years ago, someone was just like. Yeah, we're not going to remember the sermons you preach, but music is just, we're always going to remember the place we were at, right? And that's the thing, and that's the power of music. Like, mm-hmm. a song can come on that you haven't heard for 20 years, and you're able to go right back to that place, right? Right. Um, and I think the musicians that you really connect to, you feel like they're telling your story. Like, you feel like right. they're writing for you. I mean, the thing I appreciate about Ben Harper is, like, the range of stuff he covered, you know? Right. Like, I mean... His first album, he's quoting Maya Angelou, you know, like how many miles must we march, right? Like, and I mean, even the second album is saying fight for your mind, but like the idea here is is this undertowing of, of racial justice as well, as well as like the really sappy love songs and the right. songs of me, which for me in my early 20s was just like, that's me, man. You know, it's just like <laughs> everything was sad. No one will ever love me, you know, all that stuff. So I resonate with even that stuff too, you know, but but at the end of the day, so, and it, and it's, it's funny because when these guys are, are, are women, like musicians, when they speak into your life, like 
it's just you have this pathway, right? So for example, I think Ben has a song he just released maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's what's the line? You never leave lonely. Or don't 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 leave don't don't let me lo- hold on. Don't leave me lonely. Ah, I'm gonna mess it up. See, it's a line from Catcher in the Rye, right? Which okay. is fascinating because I don't know how I feel about that book. It's probably the safest way to put it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think I love it, but I'm shocked by how much I learned from it <laughs> and how much I remembered it, right? Um, and so what's fascinating for me is that like I, I heard the song, you know, and I'm like, oh, Don't Let Me Disappear is the title of the song. I heard the song and I'm just like, huh, that's interesting. I know it's Corona, you know, it's Ben, so it's a little sad, but but in the song, he's basically pleading to like loved ones. It's like, I feel like I'm f- fading and withering away and don't let me disappear. And for some reason, it triggered something in my head. I'm like, what is he saying here? You know, why does that sound familiar? So I Google, don't let me disappear. And the first thing that comes up is an op-ed on Catcher in the Rye. And if you're familiar with the book, you know, he's holding Caulfield. Um, in one sense, it's like he's just dealing with the trauma of losing his brother and trying to figure it out as a teenager away from family and parents and dealing with that trauma. And one of the ways he deals with the trauma is he starts talking to his brother, right? And that's one of the lines he says to him. It's like, don't let me disappear, right? Like he doesn't want his brother to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's fascinating, you know? Like, like Ben isn't just talking about withering away, but it's like, he doesn't want to weather away. He doesn't want to disappear. And then the funny thing is I was preaching through the, the fruit of the spirit at church and that week we were on kindness and kind of the spirit pieced that song together and be like, man, a simple thing by us being kind, you know, and intentionally kind, especially in this season is a way to not let our people disappear. You know, and it all just like, like mm. dovetail together. Right. And I'm like, mm. and to me, that's not just, you know, the power of music. That's obviously the Holy spirit, but I love when that stuff happens. Right. Like, I'm just like, so that's kind of where I use music for me anyway. Like I'm not, you know, I definitely follow my Bible. It says make a joyful noise it has nothing about being on key. You know, <laughs> I'm not like a, a musician. I'm not an artist. I remember my um, art teacher in high school was like, well, everyone's an artist. I'm like, yeah, you're just a really good parent. Bad teacher, good parent. You know, it's just like, like, don't lie to me. My stick figures are terrible, you know, like, but she got more out of me in that class than anyone else could have, right? I'm still telling her stories years later. So she did something right. But, but yeah, I, I feel like one of the ways I appreciate music is, and part of this is nurture. Like I grew up in the Amer- uh, AOL Instant Messenger um era where it's like we put up these like super ridiculous away messages that we thought were so deep you know so it's like i've been digging into lyrics for as long as i can remember right um so for me that's why i think i get out of music too is is finding these lyrics where i feel like the artist is either speaking or articulating something i can't tap into Mm. and and part of that i think is also spiritual discipline like one of the things i've been really really thinking about is how much we forget the psalms were songs you know like we look at it as scripture, which it is. And we look at it as like text, which it is. But these are songs, you know, and, and these are some of the oldest songs we have on record. Right. And, and I think really good artists are able to articulate not just what they're going through, but what we're going through, you know. Right. And if they're able to personalize it, you hold on to it even more. So, yeah. Awesome. If you want to be found, what's the best place for somebody to find you? Yeah. Um, I, I guess Instagram now that it's public, 
Uh, Instagram and Twitter, I'm on both of those, just at Hank259. Hank, like Hank Aaron, H-A-N-K. 259 is actually, this is a super uh, nerdy and awesome fact, but I graduated from the second oldest school in the country. So instead of being the class of 2000 in high school, we were the 259th graduating class. So that's how we referred to ourselves was 259. So while everyone was excited to be the class of 2000, we were 259. And when we graduated, they said that like, for the rest of your life, you'll see this number everywhere. And it's been true. So yeah, so if you want to follow me, you can do that. Um, Our church has a YouTube channel that I do a lot of teaching on for our Sunday services. That's Harrisburg DIC. I think just YouTube, if you Google that, it should pop up. So that's probably the easiest place. Um, I'm mostly friendly, so feel free to reach out and say hello, and we can chat. Uh, awesome. You are mostly friendly. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we uh, part ways? Yeah, I would just like to encourage the people listening and the people doing the work to, to keep doing the kingdom work. You know, Jesus says, on earth as it is in heaven. I think that's the work we all should be doing. Uh, we don't just have to pine away for heaven. Um, the kingdom is coming and the kingdom is here and you're blessed and you're privileged and you've been chosen by God to, to do that work. So let's keep doing it together. And if there's a way that we can grow together, we can partner, hit me up and let me know. Or if there's some cool stuff you're doing and you just want to encourage me, I'll take that too. You know, <laughs> let me know what you're doing and, and hopefully, you know, um, yeah, we can just keep sharpening each other and doing God's work together. Right on. Well, Hank, thank you so much. Appreciate you spending some time with me today on the podcast. I look forward to actually seeing you in person again sometime yeah, in man. the future. So, Yep. Be great. Thanks All so right. much for having me. You bet. You've been listening to the Obscure Pastor Podcast. If you like the podcast, share it with a friend. Subscribe today and sign up at ObscurePastor.com for my brief weekly e-letter. It's a dose of encouragement and inspiration. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drew Carpenter. So let's be friends.